You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The month of August is a long and grueling one for the NBA fan. Nothing really going on with the NBA Summer League and the draft being well wrapped up. You have a month until the start of training camp and two months until the start of the preseason and regular season. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You have just about made it through. This is the final Monday of the month of August. By the end of this week, we will be in September, which means basketball is on the comeback. My name is Matt George. Welcome into Locked On Kings. This is part of the Locked On Podcast Network and your hub for Sacramento Kings offseason, training camp, preseason, and regular season coverage. You have come to the right place if you call yourself a Sacramento Kings fan. I am from Sports 1140 KHDK. That is the flagship radio station of your Sacramento Kings. I work there as an on-air host and multimedia journalist. A lot to talk about today with the start of training camp means we pay attention to the positional battles going on, and there are a lot of battles to be had on this Sacramento Kings roster. Competition and training camp is always a good thing. A couple positions you could comfortably say are locked up. We'll talk about those as well, but we're going to dive into some of the positional battles, what to expect, what to keep an eye on, maybe make some predictions and uh, try and uh, pick apart where we would like to see uh, minutes distributed or what players are going to work into certain situations. We'll touch on Iman Shumpert, we'll touch on Zach Randolph, Willie Cauley-Stein versus Costa Cufos, Marvin Bagley, Harry Giles. We're going to get to all of it here uh, coming up, but some sad but also happy news in a weird way today. Manu Ginobili, the legendary Argentinian Manu Ginobili, who has won four championships with the San Antonio Spurs, clear-cut NBA Hall of Famer. He today announced his retirement. It's a celebration of his career, and I've been very, very thankful to be able to grow up and watch Manu play. The Kings and Kings fans know Manu very well as he was a Kings killer in the early 2000s. Uh, So we know how great that he is. He's uh, been in the NBA for a long time, a the epitome of what a veteran is another piece of that legendary San Antonio Spurs team and dynasty uh, that is now on the way out. I have something special for you in regards to Manu Ginobili that I'm going to play for you in just a second. But Manu on his Twitter account at Manu Ginobili said today, he said today with a wide range of feelings, I'm announcing my retirement from basketball. Immense gratitude to everyone, family, friends, teammates, coaches, staff, and fans involved in my life the last 23 years. It's been a fabulous journey way beyond my wildest dreams. That was what Manu posted on his Twitter account. Manu Ginobili, for his career, played 1,057 games in the NBA, averaged 13.3 points per game, a 44% career field goal shooter, 36% from behind the three-point arc. His regular season numbers are actually not uh, the best indication of who Manu was and how important he was to the San Antonio Spurs team. Was never the best player on the court, but always a guy that head coach Greg Popovich, teammates Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, they could always rely on Manu Ginobili, the king and the introducer of the Euro step, that famous uh, two-step move in the league that is just so simple but also so pretty to watch and so effective. Manu was the king of that and really introduced that to the league. But again, his regular season numbers are not the best indication of what he was and what he meant. It was what he did for the San Antonio Spurs in the playoffs. He was a dynamite go-to player uh, in the playoffs for his uh, for his career in the playoffs. He played or scored 3,054 uh, career playoff points, averaged 14 points per game in the playoffs, was also uh, a uh, 48% shooter from 
two-point range, ultimately 43% shooter from the field, a 35% three-point shooter. He played in a total of 218 playoff games. That is insanity how much he has been in the playoffs and as a part of that San Antonio Spurs dynasty of course you're going to get a lot of run there uh, but his his accolades speak for themselves four-time NBA champion in 2003 2005 2007 and 2014 a two-time NBA all-star 2005 and 2011 also was named to the all-NBA third team a couple times in 2008 and 2011 the sixth man of the year in 2008 all-rookie second team his rookie season in 2003. Like I said, he's a EuroLeague champion, a EuroLeague MVP, uh, won the Italian Cup, really introduced uh, Argentina uh, to the world basketball stage and helped lead them to some deep runs and establish them as an international basketball superpower. Manu Ginobili has accomplished basically everything you can accomplish in the NBA, and he never did it as a breakout LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Michael Jordan-type superstar. He was just that guy... Night in, night out, you knew what you would get. He would establish himself. He'd be frustrating as hell. He'd score in bunches, play good defense, uh, a, a phenomenal team player, wicked smart. Believe it or not, as as important as you point to Tim Duncan or even Kawhi Leonard for the Spurs in recent history or Greg Popovich or Tony Parker, there would be no San Antonio Spurs dynasty without the effectiveness and the consistency of Manu Ginobili, someone that... Uh, any anybody who loves the game of basketball and studies the game of basketball and wants to be effective in the NBA should look at Manu Ginobili's career from front to back and just study how he played the game, how he approached the game, because uh, he did everything the right way, which was pretty much a, a staple of the uh, the San Antonio Spurs franchise. Something for you that I wanted to share here, something a little special. I went back through our archives here at Sports 1140 KHDK over the past about six or seven years, uh, and I put together a, a short three- to four-minute compilation of some of the G-Man, Gary Gerald, Sacramento Kings Radio play-by-play voice, some of his best calls of Manu Ginobili moments. Uh, so enjoy this little compilation that I put together all the way from the uh, from around 2010 on to uh, to last season. Uh, some of the greatest little calls and things that I could find of Manu Ginobili from the voice of the G-Man, Gary Gerald. DeColo spaces the floor, finds Ginobili, backdoor cut, Bonner reverse, bam, got it. Manu Ginobili, he is feasting on the Kings. He's got his 14th, his 15th assist. That's a career-high assist for Manu Ginobili. Wow, how about that? Isaiah Thomas on the right wing to Cousins, head of steam into the lane against Splitter, kicks it out to Salmons, penetrates, gives to Tyreek, good ball movement down the lane, hits the side of the backboard with a forced shot. How bad can that shot be? My goodness, Spano Ginobili, a transition spot up three is good, and the Kings are down by 10. Parker drives, he kicks to the corner, Manu again, he scores another triple. It's tied at 102. Timeout taken by the Kings. Spurs fans on their feet. Boy, what a ball game. We and they are watching in San Antonio tonight. Kicks it out to Ginobili. Uncovered for three. Rims it out. Ball chased down by Parker. Tight ropes the sideline to Ginobili. Feeds it back to Danny Green. Challenged by Isaiah. Couldn't get the shot to Ginobili. He launches for three. Scores the triple. San Antonio will have the first possession. Kings have Jetter, Green, Jackson, Caspi, and D'Alembert. On the floor, Sacramento shooting 44%, but the Spurs 59%. San Antonio has led this game wire to wire thus far. 
First possession finds Ginobili playing screen and roll with Splitter. Thiago now dances away, flashes in the paint. Pass goes to McDice, back out to Ginobili for three, scores it. And uh, just like that, it's 94-75. Kings down 19. That's the sixth three-pointer the Spurs have made in 12 attempts. Leonard feeds it now to Manu Ginobili. Ginobili now drives, gets a step on Rudy Gay, goes inside, challenge, reverse score. Sweet basket by Manu Ginobili, and that was not easily achieved. Here's Kawhi Leonard in transition. Drives it into the paint, dumps it out to Ginobili. Feet set for three. He's got it. That's a crusher. Spurs take control. They're up now by 10 at 98-88, and the clock becomes the enemy of the Kings. Manu Ginobili now with a high screen from LaMarcus Aldridge. Going under the screen is Bogdan. Ginobili goes inside. Off the bounce, sticks it home with a left-hand rip. That's a playoff statement move right there from the old pro of the Spurs, Manu Ginobili. Remember that one. It could be a dagger. Patty Mills now playing in his eighth NBA season. Throws to Ginobili, attacks to the rim, scores it, turn out the lights. A minute five to go. It's 109-100. Ginobili with 19 points. Behind the back bounce pass goes to David West, who's back in. Looks for Leonard again. Finds him. They isolate him on the right side. Looks for the cutter. Ginobili twisting reverse is good. Only Mano Ginobili can make a play like that. That was sensational. And then Rondo with a careless pass stolen by Leonard, the defensive player of the year. He was trying to get it to Cousins in the middle of the paint. Ginobili open for three. He scores the triple on the right angle. Well, the Spurs have made six of 11 from downtown. They now have a double-digit lead at 46 to 36. His man who drives, Euro steps into the lane, scores it, and is fouled. How does he do that? That was just amazing. Well, you talk about returning in spectacular fashion. Blake <laughs> has now got 21 points, and if he gets the and one, he'll be San Antonio's leading scorer. Full momentum shift. Here's Manu, another transition three. Nothing but net. It's a two-point game at 80 to 78. Manu Ginobili now has 16 points. Patty Mills now playing in his eighth NBA season. Throws to Ginobili, attacks to the rim, scores it, turn out the lights. A minute five to go. It's 109-100. Ginobili with 19 points. Training camp is always an important and essential time for so many players to really establish themselves. A lot of players who look to make a name for themselves building off of performances in Summer League who get training camp invites, maybe trying to work their way onto a D-League slash G-League roster or maybe a two-way contract, things of that nature. There is just so much uh, to pay attention to during training camp. And oftentimes we brush it under the rug as, oh, they're just extended practices and, and just trying to hold me over until the start of the season. That's really not the case. And that's especially not the case this year uh, with this Sacramento Kings roster. A lot of talent on this roster and not too many positions that are, have been clearly established as uh, that position is locked down by that guy. That position is locked by that down by that guy. This guy's guaranteed 20-something minutes a game. We don't really have that on this Kings roster this year, which means we should be paying co uh, close attention from top to bottom on this roster of all the positional matchups uh, and competition that's happening in training camp. You know, it's, it's kind of a... Uh, it's oversaid in, in professional sports, but it's really true. Any competition in training camp is a good thing. You want 
clear training camp competition because it makes everybody better. And from top to bottom on this Kings roster, there is competition uh, for the uh, each and every spot. Let's start with the most clearly established roles that we can point to. I think it's safe to say De'Aaron Fox is the starting point guard going forward, and re- unless some injury happens, knock on wood, uh, there's really nothing that can happen in training camp that'll probably take the starting spot away from De'Aaron Fox. Now, that's not to say, though, that he's not going to be getting good competition going against Yogi Farrell and Frank Mason. So starting at the point guard position, Yogi Farrell, Frank Mason. I talked a little bit about this on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball con- uh, podcast with Josh Lloyd. I played some highlights from that last week. If you haven't gotten the chance to go uh, listen to that podcast, uh, check it out because we talked about a lot of good stuff, including positional battles. Uh, But Josh asked me, uh, between the two, Frank Mason and Yogi Ferrell, who I thought uh, would get the nod for playing time going forward heading into next season. My gut feeling, my initial initial reaction based off of how I want the Kings to play and how I expect the Kings to play is for them to go with Yogi Ferrell. More established offensive guard, more uh, better outside shooting guard guard uh, than Frank Mason. Also probably all around a better distributor, although both guys are probably scoring first guards more than anything else. Uh, It's going to be interesting. Yogi younger than Frank. Frank a little bit bigger. Yogi a little bit smaller but faster. Uh, So depending upon what kind of system Dave Yeager implements, if it is a full court uh, transition, offense, fast-paced system, Frank can play that and be effective in that. Uh, But we saw essentially his ability to run the offense coming off of the bench uh, or with that second unit. We saw him struggle with that in summer league. Yogi's been able to do that with the Dallas Mavericks over the past couple of seasons. So my edge as of right now goes to Yogi Ferrell uh, as the guy who's going to be the backup for De'Aaron Fox is going to be able to come into the game. And this is the most important key part for me is when De'Aaron Fox comes out of the game, if he's the guy pushing the pressure and and pushing the tempo and leading this team in transition offense, you don't want that to drop off when Fox comes out of the game. So you need somebody to come in and replace it, take over the ball handling duties. Yes, Bogdan Bogdanovich can do that, but more on the half-court set. Uh, But someone to push the floor and push the offense, and I give the edge to Yogi Ferrell in that sense. To me, whoever clearly establishes themselves as a team leader who can keep the pace or even build on the pace when they come into the game, over De'Aaron Fox, they are going to be the one to get that spot. To me, it's going to be Yogi Ferrell at around 15 to 20 minutes a game. Looking at the shooting guard position, this one's interesting because the two major shooting guards on this team I think are going to be playing together, one at the small forward position and one at the shooting guard position. That's Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich. I would be shocked if Buddy Heald wasn't starting at the two this season, although we know that Dave Yeager has seen how effective he can be and used him effectively coming off the bench towards the end of last year. However, I think based off of the work that he's put into the offseason and how many strides and how much he grew and developed, especially in the later parts of last year, uh, I would expect him to be a consistent starting two on a night-in, night-out basis, which would make Bogdan Bogdanovich my clear indication for the starting three spot. You heard James Hamm on this podcast a couple of weeks ago say that he he believes... Uh, that the Kings are committed to bogey at the three going forward. But really, the shooting guard and small forward position, they correlate and work together. So I'm going to kind of mold them together here. Uh, the the backup battle is really taking place between Iman Shumpert, Justin Jackson, and Nemanja Bialica. I've talked about Justin Jackson before, but I'll reiterate a little bit of what I said and a lot of what James Ham said as well, uh, is that Justin does one thing really well, and that's score the basketball. And the Kings can certainly use that in their second unit coming off the bench, but he doesn't necessarily do much else. Defensively, he's lacking. Rebounds doesn't really do it. Assists doesn't really do it. So 
Would you rather give the edge or the nod, nod as a backup three uh, to Iman Shumpert, who doesn't necessarily give you a whole lot on the offensive end of the ball, but you can work him in with rotations of Buddy Heald or De'Aaron Fox, and he can be a lockdown perimeter defensive guy that you can rely on, similar to how the Kings used Garrett Temple in years past. That's a possibility. I had someone approach me and ask me on Twitter this morning where I saw Iman Shumpert working into things. Uh, my honest opinion with Iman Shumpert is I don't think there's there's really clear minutes for him. His role this season is going to be in defensive sets when the Kings need to get defensive stops in a close game. There's a timeout called. There's 30 seconds left in the game and the Kings need to get a defensive stop. That's when they're going to bring Iman Shumpert in and put him on the the clear shooter or the best offensive player uh, of the opponent. Other than that, Iman Shumpert is going to be a leader and a presence in the locker room and on practice or in practice and on the bench uh, and someone who can teach these guards, maybe Buddy Heald, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Frank Mason, Yogi Ferrell, can teach these guys how to be scrappy, in-your-face, annoying defenders. That's the best-case scenario I really see for Iman Shumpert, although, depending upon how he does in training camp, he may earn more minutes and may earn his spot as a backup. I can never see him starting. Uh, I just don't think it makes much sense. The only way I can see him starting is if it's at the very, very beginning of the season and uh, Dave Yeager is trying to buy a little bit more time for either Bogdan Bogdanovich or Buddy Heald to work them in if he doesn't think they're just quite ready yet or they don't fit completely into the scheme of what he wants to do coming out of the gate uh, in the first quarter offensively. The other guy is Nemanja Bialica, who is a true blue power forward, a stretch four, uh, but is probably not going to be getting much time at that position because of the front load that you have Harry Giles, Willie Cauley-Stein, Costa Kufos, Marvin Bagley, and Zach Randolph in that front court you need to find time for, not to mention two-way contract uh, receiver Wenyan Gabriel. Uh, so there's really not much space for Nemanja Bielitsa, although I still expect him to play like a stretch four, but just do that at the three position. So there's a good chance that Nemanja Bielitsa going forward is going to be the backup three. In fact, I would expect that to be the case. Honestly, uh, I would expect my rotation starting at the point guard to be De'Aaron Fox, Yogi Ferrell, at the two guard, Buddy Heald, and probably Iman Shumpert. Uh, small forward, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Nemanja Bielitsa. And then we'll get to power forward and senior here in uh, in just a little bit. But Bielitsa, someone who can play the three or the th- uh, the four at a sp- uh, stretch position, someone that I think would actually play really, really well alongside De'Aaron Fox as he's able to break down defenses and draw a crowd attacking the basket. Even Frank Mason uh, might be able to 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 pair well uh, with Bielitsa on the perimeter. Um, maybe 15-20 minutes a night. I'm not expecting too much more than that. When when the Kings initially brought him in, people were looking at him as a potential snar- uh, starting small forward, similar to Iman Shumpert. I just don't see that being the case. I see Bielitsa being an effective and established role player off the bench, someone who's going to be important offensively to this team going forward, but around that 15-minute range on a nightly basis would be my best guess. The power forward position, uh, this position should be all about Harry Giles. Maybe not initially right out of the gate. We might see Marvin Bagley start at the power forward and Willie Cauley-Stein start at the center. However, I look at Marvin Bagley as more of a true center and Harry Giles is more of a true power forward. Chris Webber-esque, very similar. Uh, we've seen comparisons in his attitude and his play style to a Draymond Green. So I see Harry Giles fitting at the four very, very well, backing him up. Zach Randolph, I don't even see that. We might see a rotation at the power forward spot of Bagley and Giles for the majority of the season and then at the center spot see a rotation between Willie Cauley-Stein and Costa Kufos, which means Zach Randolph is left 
left out. He is on the outs, and that should not be surprising, honestly, uh, to anyone. Zach Randolph, to me, he's he's still very important, a wonderful guy, and someone that I would like to see uh, as part of this roster in some kind of teaching capacity. I think players uh, like um Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles can learn a whole hell of a lot. Even Willie Cauley-Stein even can learn a whole hell of a lot uh, from Zach Randolph. I think Zach Randolph could be huge, monumentally uh, instrumental for Marvin Bagley's development. We know that Bagley needs to really add two things to his game. That's uh, a right hand and he needs to add an ability uh, or his, his strength, the ability to back players down. Zach Randolph has both of those or does both of those effectively. Actually, Zach Randolph has been relatively one-dimensional through his entire career with his left hand, but has managed to make uh, be effective by doing that so he can turn, uh, teach and Bagley can learn a lot uh, from the experience uh, and the size and just the knowledge of Zach Randolph. So that's where I see him being most effective, maybe working himself into the the game a few minutes a night, depending upon uh, offensive sets or if the Kings need a quick bucket because Zach Randolph is still very effective in that sense. I also wouldn't be surprised to see the Kings try and trade him or Costa Kufos before or by the trade deadline. We'll have to wait and see with that. But out of that group, my odd man out, actually there's two odd men out. I didn't even mention Scalabis here. I don't see any playing time for Zach Randolph or Scalabissier going forward, but we'll just have to wait and see. The battles, really, uh, for Harry Giles and Marvin Bagley are just going to be establishing themselves, and if either of those guys could prove or show that they're ready for a starting spot right out of the gate, I would be happy with that, knowing Jaeger and his, uh, at least in the NBA, his inconsistency of playing and giving starting minutes to, to rookies and to young players before they've earned it. I would not be surprised. To, to see only one or maybe none of them starting on opening night. I would not be surprised. I mean, Willie Cauley-Stein is probably going to be the starting center. I think that's pretty pretty well established. Uh, the question is, will Marvin Bagley or Harry Giles prove and show enough to be able to start at the four? Or will, uh, once again, Dave Yeager go to Zach Randolph right out of the gate to start the season at the four spot? I hope that's not the case. Uh, but that might very well be the case should Bagley and Giles not prove to be ready uh, to start at the four. So those are my uh, positional battles, my matchups to really pay attention to. I'm really interested in the point guard matchup between Yogi Ferrell uh, and Frank Mason. That might be the biggest battle out of all five positions. Uh, and then ultimately, we'll we'll look at how uh, how Shumpert does and how Justin Jackson does and how Nemanja Bielitsa do to find out where they work in between the two spot and uh, and the three spot. If you agree with my breakdowns or if you want to share who you think will win or who you would like to see win out, put together your rotations, how many minutes you would play certain guys per night, what your starting lineups would be, you can absolutely do that. Please do it and send it to me at MattGeorgeKHDK on Twitter or you can email them to me at MGeorgeSackLocalMedia.com. Thursday and Friday on Sports 1140 KHDK, I will be hosting the Grant Napier Show. So if you're in the Sacramento area, tune your radios to AM 1140 from 3 to 7 p.m. to hear me with Jay Johnson on the KHDK airwaves. If you are not in the Sacramento area out of our frequency, that's fine. You can listen on KHDK.com or if you go to either the iTunes store, the Apple store uh, or the Google Play store, you can download the Sports 1140 KHDK app and be able to listen to all of our shows live and on demand there. I highly encourage you to check it out. would love to have some of you joining, whether you're uh, chiming in on our text line or calling in saying, hey, I listened to Locked on Kings podcast and I wanted to hear you uh, on on 
KHDK Radio. We're going to be talking football. We'll be talking baseball as well with the baseball playoffs happening right now. Of course, some Kings talk in there. We will get it all. So if you want to be a part of that and want to tune in, I would really appreciate the support. I uh, would love to be able to talk to you there. And if you do end up listening, let me know uh, that you listen to the Locked on Kings podcast. I'll give you a special shout out and a big thank you uh, for that. Also, check your emails if you haven't already. For those of you who emailed me and reached out to me expressing interest in, uh, in being on the fan-only episode, which is airing this Friday. I have sent you emails to schedule times with you to record. Uh, so be sure to check that to make sure you have or haven't gotten one from me. There are many of you, unfortunately, that I'm not able to schedule to fit into this week. We most likely will be doing another one of these fan-only episodes before the start of the regular season. So don't you worry. I want to get each and every single one of you on. So many of you uh, have shared your King stories with me and shared an interest in coming on and talking Kings basketball with me. I am honored uh, to to be able to have that interest from all of you and that desire from all of you. And I look forward to those that I'm going to be able to speak with on Friday. I look forward to speaking with each and every single one of you. So stay tuned to that. Again, the fans only show is coming this Friday. That's going to do it for now for me. I hope you have yourselves a wonderful Monday and Tuesday. I will be back chatting with you on Wednesday for more Locked on Kings action. Don't worry, guys. The month of August is almost done. We're almost through it. September, things will pick right back up. I absolutely 100% guarantee and promise you that. Thank you to everybody who has tuned in today and in the past, present, and future of the Locked on Podcast Network. I look forward to having you back. Hit me up on Twitter anytime at MattGeorgeKHDK. You want to talk Kings? You want to talk sports in general? I'm always there willing to respond. Uh, And if you could, head to the iTunes store or to Stitcher and leave a quick review. Let us know what you like, don't like about the podcast, things you'd like to hear us cover, anything like that. We use that to approve this podcast on a daily basis. Have yourselves a wonderful day. Talk to you again on Wednesday. You've been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.